Welcome to The Human Huddle with me, Hazel Morley, and my friend, Ray Gorkroger. Two great friends connected across the Atlantic by great conversations aimed to encourage, to inform, and to entertain both us and you. Hi, Hazel. Hello, hello. I've got a question for you, Ray. Can we start with the question today? Oh, goodness me. Right. Do I have to get it right? <laughs> yes. Okay, no pressure. Go on. So, the question is, how many days do you think there are in an average lifetime? If an average lifetime means we, let's say we live to age 80. Mm. And I don't want you to kind of work it out with a calculator or anything, but how many days do you think there are if we live to age 80? Would you say 25,000, 50,000, 100, 150, 200, or some other number? Okay, maths has never been my strong point, so I'm drawn to round numbers. So I'm going to say it's 100,000, about 100,000. Okay, so <clears throat> brace yourself. Right. If we live to age 80, um, we have just over 29,000 days. Oh dear, that's no. a whole lot less than I imagined. <laughs> and I'm running out of time. <laughs> yes, and we're both over the halfway mark. So we've had more than 50% of that already. And so isn't that a sobering thought? Sobering? It, it's a reason possibly not to be sober. <laughs> yes, exactly. And if we think about it in another way as well, here's something else that um, I always like to, to do. Think about it in terms of equating those uh, decades to days of the week. So let's say Monday would be years not to 12, Tuesday 13 to 24, etc. So you and I are on Friday, and I know I'm a few years older than you, or at least I'm pretty sure I am. So mm -hmm. you're probably Friday lunchtime. I'm definitely heading for happy hour late Friday afternoon, early evening. Right, well, if I'm Friday lunchtime, then I'm going to say, let's start the weekend early with a gin and tonic then, <laughs> and I'll meet you later at happy hour if you're still standing. How about that? Isn't it interesting, though, you know, when we think about what are we doing with our lives? You know, not only like what have we done to this point, but mm. and it and I kind of wanted to start the conversation with this today because I think it's so important that we live intentionally and we live with awareness and, you know, whatever we choose to do with our time and the, you know, however many days we've got left on this planet, um, to just do it with um, a sense of well-being and enjoyment. You know? mm. And I just remember so many years prior to like, you know, the recent years, so, so many years in the past, kind of not being in that place of real awareness about, you know, what I was doing with my life and how I was spending it. And I was in a, on a bit of a treadmill and, you know, um, didn't have a life that felt as fulfilling as it 
could have felt, for example. And I know that that's something that we wanted to talk about today, wasn't it? You know, sort of this whole topic of, you know, what's often referred to as work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think everything that's happened in the last 12 months or so has made us more conscious of that and some new challenges have come up haven't they around work-life balance and um you know there are positives and the, there are negatives there are winners and there are losers as in most things um, but I was seize, seizing the sunshine yesterday morning and um decided to go for a walk with my mum and my brother because that's legal now and uh, we had a lovely walk but I know that my brother was um needing to kind of wrap up at the end because he'd got work to do and it was Sunday afternoon and his usual working week is Monday to Friday so he was feeling the pressure and then at the end of our walk as we were saying goodbye he mentioned that he'd actually already been in a meeting that morning and I must have looked a bit surprised and he said oh yeah because you know not only do we have back-to-back Zoom meetings at the moment But what started happening recently is that those meetings have become double booked and people have cottoned on to recording the meeting so that you can then have the luxury of going back later and not missing out and and watching it all through again. But obviously there isn't more time available in the working week. um, And so therefore this was something that he was having to do to catch up if you like on Sunday morning and I don't know about the organisational context or the culture or the expectation um, but clearly he felt that that was something that he needed to be doing in order to stay on top of it so I think um, you know as we know work-life balance has been around as a term for quite a long time uh, and maybe it's just handy helpful to look at it afresh in the, in the current context, perhaps. Yeah, I think with the changes in the workplace, wherever that workplace may be, with the, with the pandemic, you know, I think it's definitely shifted for some people. Um, you know, that whole, is it working from home? I know that this is one of your phrases, or is it sleeping, sleeping in the office? You know, and um, some of my friends have said they've loved not being able to go into the office and working from home because it means that they've been able to get some other things done at home and they've had a bit more flexibility and they felt um, like they have a bit more balance because they've been able to, you know, put a load of washing in um, in between calls or kind of, you know, sort something out in the garden or whatever. And then there's other people who have felt completely differently because, you know, the, the boundaries are so blurred or don't even exist anymore. And now they're homeschooling or they have been homeschooling or they've, you know, they're, they're all working in a, in a space that's, um, you know, overpopulated uh, with kind of family, various family members being at home all trying to, to get stuff done. And they don't have that downtime they don't have that commute time or thinking time or time to just be and relax yeah everything's kind of like squeezed and maybe there's less recreation for some people um, and more pressures I know that um, a lot of people have talked about their working day being extended 
recently, even though they've taken out maybe two hours out of a commute instead of it being repurposed for um, things that they're choosing to do. It's kind of been claimed by extra time at work. And I think um, there is that thing, isn't there? Maybe we'll talk about it. You, you know, you mentioned about boundaries, blurring of boundaries. I think that's something that we could talk about. Um, and also the, the choice element of it, how much of it is imposed, how much of it is expectation of us or how much of it comes from within us and that expectation of ourselves. Um, but for one thing for sure, it's not a new thing. Um, and I was reflecting back and thinking about um, the impact of technology and early technology. And um, years ago, my husband getting a Blackberry from work and it was this really novel, amazing device. Um, um, but the problem became obvious really quickly was that in the evening, he'd then check his emails. And I literally used to shout work-life balance at him. <laughs> and he coined the term at that point. He said, it's not about work-life balance, Ray. It, it's about work-life integration. And I sort of thought defiantly, no, it's not. <laughs> It, it's about balance and I think if we um, set ourselves up to try and achieve balance then we're probably going to fail um, and it reminded me of until really recently we had weighing scales at home that were the traditional old-fashioned type um, that you might have used to get on a, in a grocery shop and the weights on one side and it wouldn't take much um, tipping, if you like, putting too much flour into the dish when it suddenly tipped and clanged in one direction and it was definitely out of balance. And I think um, that sometimes there is that kind of tipping point, but maybe it's not about balance. Maybe that's the wrong way, if you like, to, to think about it. Mm. And, and I it just, I guess I just know that we spend, you know, talking about where are we up to? Are we up to Friday lunchtime in our life of the working week, if you say, so think of it that way or Friday evening or wherever anybody's at. We do spend a massive amount, a proportion of our life, don't we, at work? And I think I heard something recently that talked about that being about a third, a third of our lives. Um, at work probably about a third of it asleep <laughs> and a third of it doing some other stuff whatever that is um, but you know people often say don't they nobody's gonna have on their gravestone I wish I'd spent more time at the office but maybe that depends on our attitude to work you know and for, for some of us it's a, it's a vocation Mm. you know this, this is what we feel born to do it's our destiny and if you were to meet somebody at a party and say what do you do you know sometimes people almost describe themselves at an identity level and say I am a you know I am a teacher I am a doctor you know I am an accountant or whatever it is as opposed to saying this is what I do as a job and kind of separating out that thing about identity versus what the work is about 
I do think it's about um, your expectations. And I know a lot of people who love what they do for work, whether it's paid or not, and are quite happy to spend a good deal of their time engaged in that activity and happy to define themselves and identify with it in that way. I think the difference is when you notice that perhaps you're feeling compromised or you're starting to be regretful or feeling frustrated, stressed by the amount of time that you're spending, let's say at work or working um, and wishing that you were doing something different or wishing that you had more time for something else. Um, I think that's when things start to feel out of kilter. And we know, don't we, there's that, you know, phrase dis-ease, D-I-S hyphen E-A-S-E, when we are stressed and we don't have that ease in our life, it does create um, issues with our health. And that's the whole point of this, whether we're on Friday in terms of the day of the week or whether we've had like, you know, more than 50% of our 29,000 days, it's, you know, we just want to be healthy and enjoy whatever time that we have. And it's when we start to become unhealthy because of, you know, our behaviors that then that's time to kind of take a step back, isn't it? And just notice how you feel about how you're spending your time and how you're managing the different things that are important to you, whether it's relationships, um, you know, other things that you've got going on in your life, whether that's kind of volunteering, community work. Um, and I, I think this idea, I like your scales analogy because I remember years ago feeling very uh, frustrated about the amount of time that I was spending at work, but that was my choice then. And I think there is this um, responsibility that we have to recognize that the decisions and the choices that we make are ours. And yes, we can face those external pressures. Mm. And there might be, you know, some expectation that we feel is imposed on us, um, say from the workplace or an employer or whatever. But ultimately, we still create those boundaries and those expectations. So the only person that can really make a change is us. I know I'm making that sound really easy and I spent years. Yeah, just you know, sort it. <laughs> struggling with that, yeah. But I spent a lot of time feeling like work-life balance was like searching for the holy grail. Mm, yeah, and it's a, that's a term I think we both used independently of each other, didn't we? Like it was some mystical thing that you would strive for but never actually, you know, meet in real life. I think it's interesting that you know this this balance this integration this blending this blurring however we want to um term it 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 depends on what's going on for us and um you know what moment we're at and that it's not necessarily in a typical week we need to make sure that we've done this or that because I think there are times I know, and we've talked about this before, when you're in real flow state with work and this in itself is energizing. It's not, you know, because we almost set work and life up when we talk about it as two separate entities that are in conflict or in tension with each other. Whereas actually work is part of 
life isn't it it's not it's not necessarily a distinctly separate thing um and this idea that you know there might be times it might be this week is really full on or it's month end or it's the week end and and therefore there are certain things that need to be done or you know i'm in a real creative phase and this is setting things up. This is a time of implementing change or new ideas. So I know that there's an intensity around it, but I'm actually enjoying that and that's energizing, but a recognition that it can't be sustained at that level, medium term or long term. And I think that's where the self-awareness bit comes in um, that we are choosing, hopefully, uh, to do that as opposed to it becoming our default mechanism um, and maybe what you allude to perhaps in your past is that it became the default almost it was just always like that as opposed to it being a, a phase or an episode or a choice or or being in flow state um, yeah I think as well it's um it's, it is about awareness it is about recognizing um you know where you're at right now and what you want as well like i think when i when i didn't have a good balance let's say when i was feeling stressed about the amount of time that i was spending it wasn't because you know i wasn't immersed in flow i wasn't in a joyful state about it and it was stressing me out but it was almost like stuck and i didn't know how to create those changes and so I think it's only when you stop and you notice and you step back and, and look at where am I at now and where do I want to be and what changes do I need to make and how can I make those changes in order to, you know, to do things differently. When I worked for, um, uh, when I was in the UK, I had a contract with the health deanery at the University of Nottingham. And one of the tools they were using to help doctors and specialist registrars with their career management was a tool called windmills and this came from a, a dr peter hawkins and there was like a, an independent unit at the university of liverpool um, that sort of set up this this work and it was to help people think about their future and their careers particularly but they as part of that were talking about um, life and the different um, aspects of it being working, playing, learning and giving. So they had these four, imagine four circles and they used mm. to visually, we used to visually um, explain it by blowing up balloons. So you'd have one balloon and it would often be a very big balloon that would be representing work and you'd have a cardboard box that would be your life. So you'd, most people spend most of their time at work so that balloon would go in the cardboard box first and fill up most of the space and we would allow it to because that would you know be our priority then we'd have another balloon or another circle if you like which would be say playing which is the recreational piece um and you know that would be uh often something that you would wait for the weekend to do or you know you think about well, when I retire or when I go on holiday so you're kind of cramming that in around say the works so that'd be a smaller balloon that gets stuffed into the cardboard box then there'd be one which is representing um 
learning. So that could be the formal, informal learning on the job. It could be mentoring, coaching, whatever that piece of learning is. That often, you know, is, is kind of next to the working piece. So we can mm. stick that in there. And then if there's any energy and time left, maybe we have another one which is giving, which could be, you know, giving to family, friends. It could be giving your time or talents to a particular cause that's important to you, volunteering, whatever. And that's usually a smaller one that if there's room, gets stuffed into the box at the same time. But as you're trying to cram all these extra balloons in, it's the giving, playing ones that usually get popped first and then the learning one. And the one, not surprisingly, that's usually still intact is the biggest one, which is the work. Mm. Because that's usually the one that we make sure that regardless of anything else that's happening, and I'm you know, stereotyping here, but generalizing, usually that's the one that stays intact. That's the one that we protect. And, you know, for lots of reasons, you know, we need to be able to earn money, et cetera. Mm. But it was a really good visual. And then we would think about what does our blend of all these different areas look like? If we were to draw those as circles on a piece of paper, how would they overlap, if at all? How big would each of those circles be in terms of the time and energy that we give to it and I've never forgotten that exercise because I think it's when things do get out of kilter it can be worthwhile considering some of those things mm, really interesting um thought the question I've got really practically is were you given the balloons all blown up or did you blow them up to the size that you felt represented? <laughs> this may be super practical. <laughs> we blew, well, we would blow them up, yeah. So, you know, my work balloon was like really big. Or if I was drawing on a piece of paper, for example, my circle that would represent my work mm. was always the biggest one. Mm. And, and it's just a visual representation, is it? Because sometimes when you stand back and you think about it or you look at it in that way, you have that realization that perhaps it's not quite the blend that you'd like it to be. And so we would often then say, well, what if we found a way to play while we were at work? Mm. Or what if we found a way to give a little bit more while we're working? So perhaps could we... For example, um, you know, do a little bit more volunteering or, um, you know, maybe have a bit more fun while we're at work, for example, uh, take a little bit more time to, to do some of those other things that, that we enjoy during the working week and not save it all for the weekend. Mm. And I think that has been brought into cultures in organisations and possibly newer organizations that don't have um, a, a long existence in history, if you like, that things have been mixed up more across those different dimensions, the working, the learning, the playing and the giving. Um, and I think there are two things here. One is about us as individuals and our approach to that in a work context and, and perhaps some of that links to um, person, personality and some of our preferences a little bit so um, we've talked on previous podcasts around um, Myers-Briggs type indicator and having those different preferences 
and um, I can really see that there is one of, one of the um, dimensions of that links to um, how we like to be in the world and the difference, how we, uh, when do we work and when do we play and our kind of approach to that and that anybody who's aware of uh, those differences, if you've got a preference for J, that's, that's the judging is not generally feeling comfortable about playing while working uh, and needing to kind of have that distinction, that separation and parking work and drawing a line under it before you engage in play and having clear distinct times when you do work and, and distinct times when you do play, but almost seeing play as a reward for when you finish work. Um, whereas the flip side of that, the P, the perceiving, um, is, is about blending that a little bit more um, and being prepared to and happy to engage in play, playful activity, if you like, whilst there's still work to do or during work and happy to play and work perhaps at non-conventional times. And I know we've talked about this and you've said, you know, that means you might be working at 11 o'clock at night, but that's energising um, for you. And I've certainly talked about the, the need almost to integrate play with work and not necessarily seeing a distinction between those two things um, and almost viewing life as too short not to take the opportunities perhaps as they pop up. And so that's some of that's about our personal um, preference, if you like. But then if you look at kind of cultures in organisations, you know, the advent of the table tennis table at work. I've worked in lots of client organisations where there's been a table tennis table. And actually, when I finished a training session, two people jumping up and having a quick round of table tennis together, um, beers in the fridge on the side and, and that being something that happens on a Friday afternoon. But equally, on thinking about the integration of the giving side as well, you know, get getting behind a particular charity um, as their sort of charity of the year and having fundraising events and that being part of playing and giving and working all blending really mm. nicely um, together. But I don't know if you're aware of, um, you know, cultures in some organisations, and I'm thinking of two particular big ones, um, Virgin and uh, Netflix, as well as having quite quirky approaches to, to all of this and thinking about how that links to holiday time as well. And, and I remember Richard Branson, it was probably around about 2014, made this big announcement about how um, for his personal staff, which I think was about 170 people at that moment in time, saying they could have as much holiday as they liked. And, you know, just as long as the job gets done, uh, which is kind of really interesting. And the, I know that the approach for Netflix, which has a very distinct culture, is um, not focusing on the hours that are worked, but on the product, if you like, on, on what gets achieved as a consequence. 
and you know what they've noticed is it drives performance it drives commitment it drives motivation it helps with mindset people take time off whenever they need to uh, you don't have to explain you don't have to plan you don't have to say when you're going to be back I mean it kind of blows my mind <laughs> um slightly um and but it was interesting there was an interview a kind of mini focus group with some Netflix employees talking about it and they talked about not seeing a distinction uh, between work and home being separate. And one chap saying, it's just all part of my life experience. And I thought it was interesting. It, the focus was about on creating ideas, not on ours. And they talk about the focus being on inspiration, not supervision. But I would say that's one particular type of business. And of course, that's not possible. <laughs> you know, they're a creative business and I think it's quite unique or distinct, should I say, rather than uh, unique. But it did make me think about how can individuals and how can organisations create that integration that you're talking about from the model um, that you were just describing there mm. and um what what can we do with the bit that we can influence if you like mm. i've um i've seen and heard a few great examples of um companies recently just in the last year with the way things have shifted with the pandemic um encouraging staff to do more exercise for example and making it as a bit of a sort of team effort you know and um so people would post how many kilometers that they've walked or run or you know whatever challenge that the company's put up and um i think that all those things are really good but one of the things that i think we regardless of the the workplace and the culture and where you're at etc one of the things that i think is really important is communication because if managers of teams and leaders in organizations are not getting to know their staff and finding out how are people doing, how are people feeling, especially with all the change and uncertainty and complexity that's, that's you know, part of life right now, are people overwhelmed? Um, do they feel like things are out of kilter and getting to know what's really important to somebody outside of their work you know we talked about identity earlier earlier it's just part of who we are whatever we choose to do for a living um, but there's so many other roles we're so much more than that so how many of the people um, that we report to at work know who we are outside of the job that we do and how we show up, you know, when we're a member of this team um, and how are things going in other areas of their lives? What else is it that they need? And I think just making it safe, like one, one of the last conversations we had was about psychological safety, you know, making it safe at work for people to talk about how things are going and, and perhaps what are the support they need um, and sometimes it's just listening to yourself talk when you're asked those those questions or given that time and listening to what you say, because I know what's been true for, true for me in the past is I would have said that some of these other things in my life were really important, like exercise and you know recreation and spending time with 
friends and family. But was it really when you look at how much time I was spending at work and feeling stressed about that and compromised, not in that state of flow that you mentioned earlier. So really, there's one piece around my intention and what I say is really important to me, but then my behavior might be demonstrating something different. And I might not even be aware of that unless I stop to think and talk about that or somebody else perhaps points that out to me because that might be in my blind spot. Mm. So I think that whole piece around communication is, is really key. Mm. Or that, um, you know, you reach a crunch point and, you know, it, it's burnout or there are problems arising in terms of relationship or family and, and those kind of things. And um, it's almost like, I imagine this, downward spiral of doom and it's a bit like a helter skelter and that you you're going down it and there's no no way off it because you don't have the self-awareness to be able to grab onto the side and stop yourself and so sometimes it's only when things come to a crunch point that suddenly people have a wake-up call and that can be um you know incredibly uh, significant in terms of you know, stress building and building and building and resulting in a heart attack, for example, or, you know, a breakdown um, or, you know, other mental health issues that arise as a consequence. And I suppose this is about um, having that level of self-awareness so that we can grab in a preventative way, if you like, on the way down the helter-skelter and have some strategies um, some things that we do uh, that help us to get back up, up the slide, if you like, again. And that kind of just as we come to the end, I, I wondered whether there were any sort of tips that you had um, that, that help you at an individual level to keep things in balance or to keep things nicely integrated or blended or... Um, whichever way you want to think about it? Uh, I guess my situation is, um, you know, I'm self-employed, I work from home, I don't have a family. So I always think my life is very uncomplicated in many ways. And I'm very aware that I have a lot of choice and a lot of freedom. So it's perhaps easier for me um, than it will be for some other people. Um, but one of the things that I have chosen to do as I've got older particularly is give myself permission to just work when, um, when I'm feeling ready to work. I mean, I mean, obviously there are times when I have to get things done and I really would rather be doing something else, you know, and I have to be disciplined with that. But it's not beating myself up. So if my flow comes at, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night or I'm chosen because I'm a huge P, you were talking about the Myers-Briggs preferences earlier. So if I've chosen to take Friday morning out to go for a hike, but then there's something I really promised that I would get done by Friday close of play, mm. like Monday morning, for example, then recognize that now I've got to spend some time into an evening or a weekend getting it done. And that's okay, because that's actually, you know, how I work best. So giving myself a bit of permission to, you know, work at whatever time is right for me, rather than thinking what should I be doing or what's everybody else doing. Mm. 
Um, I don't know if I've answered your question really. I think, like I said, my situation is such that I feel very lucky that I have that freedom to choose. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not working shifts. I'm not in a high pressured job working for an organization with an awful lot of demand and stress that's imposed upon me mm. Mm. I, I was a couple of things I was just thinking about and, and you're right we're all different we have very different um, working circumstances uh, and I know one of the things that's come to the fore for a lot of people and I've certainly experienced this post-pandemic and pre-pandemic um, because I'm my own boss too, uh, is about having this, creating a distinct working day where the boundaries physically are very blurred um, and lots of people will choose to work and get the opportunity to continue to work at home. So I think um, that this is perhaps a new discipline for um, people in that situation is having a clear start point to the day and a clear end point to the day because of the kind of work that we do it's never done at the end of the day so we almost have to use an arbitrary line if you like to demarcate the end of the day and I found this really difficult <laughs> and then it impacts on you know I've got children knocking at the door going What's, what time's tea? And I'm thinking, I have no idea because I'm just in the middle of another email and I need to impose that from within myself. Um, so that would be one thing. And then the other thing would be about um, imagining that our energy is like our bank balance and there are some things that make deposits in our energy balance and there are some things that make withdrawals and we don't always get to choose because there are certain tasks that we do. There are certain people that we interact with. There are certain things in our environment that take energy from us. So I'm not saying that we've got ultimate control and we can just get rid of those things. But I think it's recognising that there are some things that give us energy and some things that take away that energy. And the aim of the game I always think is about making sure that we um, end up in credit in our energy bank balance. And so the first part of that is knowing what is it for you that gives you energy? And I'm not talking about, you know, big things like a holiday. Of course, we all want some of that. But what are the small things? You know, is it a quick walk around the block? You know, is it reading an article from the Sunday paper from beginning to end without interruption? You know, what are the things that give you a bit of a boost? Is it going on social media? Do you, you know, is that a great thing for you? And if you just say, I'm going to do it for 15 minutes because that makes me feel good because I've reconnected with people that I like or I've got some some new inspiration. But thinking about those and making them regular. So part of the energy I always think that can come from these things is knowing that they're coming as well so I always used to go to Zumba in the olden days when you could do that an exercise class with other people and it was on a Monday evening and all day on a Monday I got the benefit I got the energy of knowing that that was coming 
at the end of the day, as well as the boost of actually doing it. So the pre-planning, which doesn't kind of fit with my personality type always, but I definitely is gain from that. So I'd really encourage you to think about um, where do you get, you know, what takes energy away and what can you actively choose to do to build the credits in your account. And there are definitely going to be 24, 48 hours where you're in, you know, you, you're, you're working in your overdraft zone. <laughs> but also it's about thinking about adding those things back in. So that would be one of my top tips. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really important, which requires awareness. So we're kind of coming back to, you know, some of the things we spoke about earlier as well. But the whole rituals and routine piece, I think, is important. However, you need to, um, whatever that needs to look like for you, because, you know, if a lot of your routine is upside down because of the blurred boundaries and no demarcation between work and other parts of your life, etc., then, yeah, it's about kind of, getting creative to put some of those back in. Um, I was listening to a podcast recently. I'll just kind of end with this. Um, Jocelyn Gligli, I don't know how she pronounces her last name, but she has a podcast called Hurry Slowly. And she was talking about this idea of um, giving ourselves some tender discipline. So discipline, I think, sometimes can feel a bit heavy, um, we get into the shoulds and must-dos and have-tos sometimes kind of language when we think about being disciplined at something. But giving ourselves some tender discipline and recognizing that that comes from within. So slowing down, being more at ease, giving ourselves a bit more permission, as you say, recognize what gives us energy, what doesn't, and then taking action to follow through on that. Um, And when we slow down, I think gives us more clarity. We can see what's really going on for us and appreciate what we have and maybe, you know, what we'd like to change, what is um, a problem and maybe what is potential for change. Um, So quite liked that. And it's, you know, that whole piece around being compassionate with ourselves as well, rather than critical, because that's another tendency sometimes isn't it is to get especially if you're feeling stressed or frustrated about you know the way things are in your life is is to get very critical and to start comparing yourself with other people rather than being compassionate and saying okay what is it that I need right now to feel a little bit more energized or a little less stressed with what's going on hey which makes me think that um it's tea time and I need some food to make me feel more energized. So um, that has been so fab chatting with you about work-life balance, Hazel. And um, I know we've been going a wee while as we've been talking together and I'm really hoping it hasn't got to Saturday morning. Um, I hope I'm still at Friday lunchtime. (laughs) Well, I've still got the cocktail in my hand for happy hour. So, you know, I think we're good. Join me in, in a glass of something nice soon. Or wouldn't that be nice if we could do that for real? I can't wait to be with <laughs> yeah, Me too. <laughs> All right. Till the next time then. All right. Thanks, Hazel. See ya. Bye. 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 Thanks for huddling with us. We look forward to connecting again over another conversation very soon.